0: Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. As listeners of this program know, the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar is a very complicated intercalculation between the solar and lunar calendar. Some months are 30 years long, some months are 29 days long, some months are 31 days long. There are 12 months in the Hebrew calendar, and the calendar is structured in such a way that the holiday cycle as determined by the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, or by the additional holidays incorporated into the festival calendar by the rabbis of the Talmud, always fall within the same season. One of the holidays, a minor holiday, reflects this calendar that is focused on the celebration of events in the land of Israel. Tu B'Shvat is a Jewish holiday occurring on the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Shvat, which this year falls in January, but some years falls in February. It is also called Rosh Hashanah Le'Ilyonot, literally the New Years of the Trees. In contemporary Hebrew, the in contemporary Israel, the day is celebrated as an ecological awareness day and trees are often planted in celebration. The name B'Shvat is derived from the Hebrew date of the holiday, as I've already said, the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Shvat. The English two is not the number but we would say T-U stands for the Hebrew letters Tet and Vav, which together have a numerical value of 9 and 6. All Hebrew letters are assigned numerical values. And the 9 and the 6 add up to 15. So tu is the 15th of the month of Shvat, the date was originally called Chamisha Asar, B'Shvat, which means the same thing—the fifteenth of Shvat. Now, where does this holiday, which doesn't, isn't mentioned in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, where does it originate? And for us to understand that, we have to just do a little backtracking on rabbinic. Texts on the writings of the ancient rabbis. With the destruction of the temple in 70, the rabbis, a group of scholars who find their origins in the first century of the pre-common era, the rabbis begin to determine that there needs to be a methodology of interpretation of the Torah, that will allow for the transition from a religion that is focused primarily around the temple in Jerusalem and the sacrificial cult to a religion that is focused more on a direct relationship between God and the Jewish people and between Jewish individuals through the commandments and the application of the behaviors of the commandments. That's the transition from Israelite religion to what you and I call Judaism. And the rabbis wrote their interpretations down, and then they were codified and edited. The first collection of Jewish interpretive statements is known as the Mishnah, translated as teaching. And by the end of the second century of the Common Era, this uh, collection of writings was edited and formalized. It's assigned to the authorship of Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, Judah the Prince, but of course it may be the work of many different individuals. Between the codification of the Mishnah and the end of the 5th century, the rabbis in Babylonia and the rabbis in Jerusalem or in Judea Work diligently to respond to the words of the Mishnah, and that their writings, codified at the end of the fourth century, perhaps the end of the fifth century, are known as the Gomorrah, the finishing take. And the Mishnah and the Gomorrah are known as the Talmud, which many of you are at least familiar with the title. There are many different uh, sections of the Talmud. Each section is called a tractate. And the tractate entitled Rosh Hashanah, the tractate entitled New Year, begins with the following. There are four New Year dates. The first of Nisan, New Year for Kings and Festivals the first of Elul, the new year for animal tithes. Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon say the first of Tishrei, new year for calculation of the calendar sabbatical years and Jubilees, for planting and sowing. And the first of Shvat, according to the school of Shammai. The school of Hillel says the 15th of Shvat, which is calculating the beginning of the agricultural cycle for purposes of biblical tithes. Now, in this statement by the rabbis, it identifies Nisan as the new year for kings and festivals. Nisan is the first month of the Hebrew calendar, and it is the month in which Passover occurs. The first of Elul is identified as the new year for animal tithes. That referred to the temple sacrificial cult. Um, And Elul is the month preceding the month of Tishrei, which the text says is the new year for the calculation of the calendar. And the first of Tishrei, is known to the modern Jewish world as Rosh Hashanah, the New Year. And you may have many neighbors, and you yourself may know, that on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, which always comes in the fall, the year of the Hebrew calendar changes. And then we enter into the fourth New Year, the very uh, unusual, because it's not biblically oriented or origins in the Bible, the 15th of Shvat. So why do we have a festival on the 15th of Shvat? According to the biblical law, there is a seven-year agricultural cycle concluding with the sabbatical year. When the Holy Temple stood in Jerusalem on years one, two, four, and five of this cycle— farmers were required to separate a tenth of their produce and bring it to Jerusalem to eat. This tithe is called ma'asar sheni, the second tithe, because it is in addition to the 2% tithe, which must be given to the Kohan, the high priest, and the 10%, which is given to the Levite, the general priesthood. On the sixth and third year of the cycle, the o- instead of the owners eating the Ma'aser Shani in Jerusalem, they give this second tithe to the poor, who were per- com- permitted to consume it wherever they wished. On the sabbatical year, the seventh year, no tithes are separated. All produce which is grown during this year is called by the Torah ownerless and is free for anyone to take. The concept of the sabbatical year is, of course, um, a concept for us to discuss at a future program and how a community could actually live with the f- produce being produced, but it being free to all to produce participate in its bounty. It was therefore of vital importance to ascertain when the new year started for produce. Our Ancient rabbis of the Jewish tradition established that a fruit which blossomed before the 15th of Shvat is produce of the previous year. If it blossomed after the 15th, it is produce of the new year. By comparison, for the rabbis of antiquity, grains and vegetables and legumes have the same new year as humans, the first of Trisreng. So why did they do this? In the Mediterranean region, the rainy season begins with the festival of Sukkot in the end of the fall. It takes approximately four months from Sukkot, the 15th day of the seventh month known as Tishrei, until the 15th of Shvat for the rains of the new year to saturate the soil and trees and produce fruit. All fruit which blossomed beforehand are a product, as the rabbis thought, of the rains of the previous year and are tithed together with the crops of the previous year. Although this day is Rosh Hashanah for trees, we attach special significance to this holiday because in Deuteronomy 20 verse 19, man is compared to the fruit of the tree Though cultivating strong roots and faith and commitment to God, we produce many fruits. And in a metaphoric sense, the rabbi said that Torah and God's commandments are the fruit that we are really honoring. So on this day, the 15th day of Shvat, it is customary to take partake of the fruit which the Holy Land is praised. Deuteronomy 8.8 tells us that olives, dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates are the primary produce of the land of Israel. If tasting any of these fruit for the first time this season, one should recite the blessing that it was recited on first time of all joyous occasions, thanking God for sustaining us and blessing uh, and enabling us to reach this m- wonderful uh, occasion. Due to the festive nature of the 15th day, certain changes take place in the liturgical cycle. So there, there are no um, petitions offered. And on funerals, No eulogies are officially offered. Now, why does this take place in the winter? It's winter in most of North America. So why do we celebrate a holiday uh, about trees when nothing is growing? So this is not... The day of Arbor Day, in which we simply celebrate trees. This is the day in which we celebrate that which is part of God's creative process. As in the case of many laws, the halakha is based on what happens in the land of Israel. So since most of Israel's rainy season is over by the 15th of Shvat, this date is considered the penultimate date for a new year's of trees. Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchak, commonly known as Rashi, an 11th century commentator from northern France, explains that at this point the ground has become so saturated with rains of the new year causing the sap to start rising in the trees, which means the fruit can begin to bud. And in Israel, young children learn the song, Hashgedia Porachat. The almond trees are blossoming because if the rains have fallen in their own due time, then at this point in the calendar, January, the almond trees would be beautifully blossoming with pink flowers. The Jerusalem Talmud records an alternative explanation. Until the new year for trees, all trees can survive on the water from the previous year. After their new year, the trees derive their source of life source from the water of the new year. Now remember, The Talmud, which introduced the notion of the New Year's of the Trees, didn't give significant explanation for why it introduced it. So all of the commentators are working backwards, having a holiday pronounced and then looking for the explanation. Now, if you are living in a land like Ottawa, Canada, where there is sub-zero weather, you might listen to the words of Rabbi Menachem Me'eri, a 13th and 14th century commentator, who makes the following point. The winter season extends from the month of Tevet until the month of Nisan. The 15th of Shevet is the midpoint between the fall and the spring, he says. Once the winter has passed, its strength is weakened, the cold is not as intense, and the budding process begins. I have a sense that he's still talking about the land of Israel, because few who live in the northern hemisphere in which there is winter believe that by the middle of January, winter is leaving us. But for Jewish ritual purposes, the 15th of Shvat marks a turning point, a time when, all under, when under all the cold and snow, the saps of the tree is rising, readying for uh, spring. In a sense, this month, the 15th of Shvat signifies that sometimes it is precisely from within the darkest and coldest moments of our lives that the new blossoms birth forth. Obviously, a lovely um, homiletical interpretation of uh, celebrating the New Year's of the tree in uh, the middle of winter. Again, the Mishnah tells us the 15th of Shvat is a new year of tree. But the Kabbalists... The students of Isaac Laurier, who wrote in the city of Tzfat at the end of the 16th century, said that the 15th of Shvat is the new year for the Kabbalists, for the, mitz- for the mystics. And at the end of the 19th century, the Zionists spoke about Bishvat as a holiday for the Zionists. And the environmentalists at the end of the 20th century spoke about Tu as an uh, incarnation of Tubishvat. Each of these uh, four incarnations contains a fundamental innovation relative to the previous tradition. Each of these innovations emphasizes a different tikkun, a different repair, remedy, and healing. So let me share with you the four kinds of tubishvat. We've gone from four New Years to four tubishvats. And perhaps it will give you a sense of how a Jewish holiday has been re-energized So the emphasis of the 15th of Shvat in the Mishnah is on social justice, tikkun olam, repairing and perfecting the world. There exists a fundamental injustice, which indeed has no complete solution. Deuteronomy 1511 says, the poor shall never cease out of the land, but the Torah allows for the possibility of helping repair the land, the sages of the second century Mishnah suggest affecting this tikkun through the imposition of taxes in the form of tithes to remote free will offerings, corner gleanings, and other social justice mitzvot known as mitzvot of tzedakah. The 15th of Shvat is one of the important days for reminding society to take a frank reckoning of itself. On this day, all who have gardens are supposed to go down to the garden to count up all the fruits and profits that were gathered in the course of the year, to reserve the required portion for the benefit of those who have neither garden nor fruit to eat from it. The sudden appearance of the idea of the New Year for the tithing of trees on the Mishnaic landscape is sufficient in itself to teach about the social revolution of the sages of the Mishnah effect through their relationship to the priestly monarchic concept of tithes and to remote. in the Bible, as I've already said, there is no mention of this day. And the fact of its establishment in the Mishnah testifies to a need to give more force to social and religious taxes that will improve the situation of those in need. In contrast to the Mishnaic sage's social tikkun, the emphasis of the Kabbalistic 15th of Shvat is on the theocosmic tikkun, The world, according to the mystics, Jewish mystics, was devastated as a result of the taste from the tree of knowledge in Genesis 1 and by the resultant expulsion from the Garden of Eden, explained and recounted in later sections of the book of Genesis. The Kabbalists, the students of the Ari. Rabbi Isaac Laurier and Svat took upon themselves to repair this devastation by means of numerous rituals spread about the calendar. They instituted tikkun chatzot, midnight vigils, tikkun leal shavuot, midnight study sessions for shavuot, and many other institutions, the 15th of shavuot is a day on which many Kabbalists, many Jewish mystics, try to get as close as possible to the Garden of Eden, to taste its fruit, to heal its damaged trees. They do this with a long, drawn-out Tu Bishvat Seder, basing the Seder on the Passover Seder, which, which is biblical in its original format, at whose center they taste the fruits of the world and say blessings over them, using techniques of special mystical meditations directed toward the fruits of the heavenly worlds. The custom of eating fruit on the 15th of Shvat is absolutely novel, relative to the Mishnaic and to the rest of known rabbinic literature, the Tu Seder, with its extended ritual of mystical meditations, is an absolute innovation relative not only to the ancient rabbis, but to earlier Kabbalah of the 11th through 13th century, not written in Israel, but written before the expulsion from Spain. The Zionist 15th of Shvat is a day of national historical tikkun, of healing from the devastations of the exile, whether these resulted from external causes such as oppression and anti-Semitism or from internal causes such as the religious and halachic leadership arguments. More than any other day, this day symbolized the longing of the Zionists to be healed of their diaspora characteristics, to be joined anew to a patch of earth of land. On this day, the earliest Zionists taught themselves and their children to color the land of Israel green with the planting of thousands of trees. They would thus, so they believed, again take possession of their homeland by making the desert bloom. Likewise, so they hoped they would teach themselves and their children to stop their exilic floating and finally land on solid ground. One of the expressions of this Zionist tubishvat was the placement of the little box, a blue and white box, that was intended for children and families to place money in for the purchase of trees in the land of Israel under the auspices of the Jewish National Fund. The Jewish National Fund dates back to the earliest parts of the 20th century and still exists today, and its initial intentionality was to reclaim the land, buying land in a legal manner from those in the Ottoman Empire who held deeds to land in ancient Israel. And today they have the primary task of reforestation, whether um, after forest fires or in areas that do not have forests. The last Tubishvat is the Tubishvat of the environmentalists. It's a day of ecological tikkun olum of repairing the planet, which has been appallingly devastated over the course of the last century by the human race. Beginning in the 1970s, environmentalists started to cry out and warn us about cutting off the branches that we were sitting on. Some of the modern Jews, among those who sounded the alarm, felt a need to express themselves in terminology of their own culture, and that is how Tu has become more and more the central day of environmental awareness for the Jewish people. More and more Tu B'Shvat began to take on an environmental character rather than a mystical character. And Tu has been declared unofficially to the Jewish Earth Day. The environmentalist Tu gives us a picture of a rooted Jewish paradigm – in conflict with both Zionist Judaism and Halachic Judaism. The conflict with Zionism is expressed to take one example, and the change of Tubishvat into a universalist holiday rather than a more particularistic holiday. So we have, as I've explained to you, four different types of Tikkun. Social, theological, national, historical, and ecological. These four types of tikkun signify not only four different Tubishvats, following on the notion of four different New Year's, but also four different worldviews. Each one of these worldviews constitutes a revolutionary change relative to the views that preceded it. And within each of these revolutionary changes is a veiled or open rebellion to that which preceded it change and rebellion have become expressed in a ritual characteristic ritual which is innovative in comparison with the previous incarnations of the day so we started with the ancient talmud and its four new years we talked about how the holiday of the trees was really based on an agricultural cycle And we ended up talking about how modern Judaism has morphed into an understanding of the role of land and trees and environment as Judaism, modern Judaism, continues to evolve and to find opportunities for its adherents to make meaning within the historical nature of Judaism. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garton wishing you good morning. You can listen to a rebroadcast of this show on the CHRI website or download it as a podcast from iTunes. Shalom. Shalom.